Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new edition of Pod by the Bay. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Joining alongside me, Seth Barnador. Uh, Robert Sieg is off this week as he and Paige are newly engaged. Betrothed is when they're married, right? Or is that engaged? I think betrothed is before you get married. Yeah, oh, so engaged. newly yeah. betrothed. Yeah, yeah, newly betrothed. Uh, so congratulations to him. We're going to do a two-man weave. Personally, uh, I think that's evening. no excuse to miss the pod, but that's that's an in-house. Whatever. That's an in-house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll deal with that in-house. Much like yeah. some other situations this past week, we'll deal with that in-house. Yes, uh, it has not eliminated, uh, eliminated his ability to compete in practice or the game on Saturday, <laughs> except that it probably has. Um, He's got a lot of stadiums to run. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, lots of stadiums, lots of uh, bear crawls. Um, he's gonna he's gonna feel it when he gets back. Uh, so, so let's just jump right in. Alabama seventeen, USF three. Uh, <laughs> USF wins three to seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Frank best Beamer. Case, I, quite literally, I mean, outside of actually beating Alabama, which. They had a good was It was in the cards. I think, uh, you know, Golish even uh, talked about it either this week or during the press conference on Saturday night. Uh, the, probably the one thing he wished he had not done is taken that deep shot that ended up at being the interception. They were rolling a couple first downs. I think it was the same drive that Weston Wolf uh, hurled the guy. Yep. Um, so they were kind of rolling, and then, you know, you want to be aggressive. You take deep shot, gets intercepted, and then they go down and just kind of you know ice the game. You don't get the, the ball back, basically. Yeah, with a basically a seven minute drive. Um, yeah, you know the, the USF defense did all they could. I think they made they forced Alabama to punt seven or eight times, which uh, was shocking. Um, and Dude, they put together excellent. Oh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Uh, and. They did everything they could, um, which makes it so weird about the end of the game situation coming off the field after that final extra point where DJ Gordon punches Logan Berry Hill in the helmet. Uh, DJ Gordon's uh, second bad decision of the drive. Again, <laughs> once again, punching punching guy in the helmet makes no sense to me. Um, but uh, per USF, no no disciplinary actions that would hold them out of practice or being able to compete on Saturday. Uh, I guess they're going to be handling it in house. I don't hate that. I mean, it's kind of, it's, I mean, I wasn't there, so I didn't see how kind of vicious it was, but I mean, if you throw a punch at the other team, like Florida did, you get a, you get a half, uh, but the drone <laughs> team, I don't know. It's kind of a gray area for the conference. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and you know, the thing that was interesting is they both stayed on the sideline after that incident. Uh, so that was definitely not expected, but um, it was a true boys. There uh, will be boys. Uh, Bobby, I Bradley guess. Moment. Yeah, uh, it, it truly, truly was um, reflecting back on that game. You know, it was, it was weird. It had a 2011 Notre Dame esque situation. Uh <laughs> Clearly, clearly an outmanned USF team. That 2011 team was not good. They ended, I think, they ended up five and seven that year. Uh, but they were competing against a team that had, you know, Mike, uh, Michael Floyd and Jeff Samarja. I think were the two wide receivers for Notre Dame that year. If I'm not mistaken, they had Dane Chris and Tommy Reese. Uh, the running back was really good. Oh God, what's his name? 
I mean, they had Michael Floyd, Zach Martin at offensive line, Manti Teos. Is it Sierra Wood? Sierra Wood. He was a man amongst boys uh, for most of that game, too. Jonas Gray uh, was also. Jonas Gray, yep. It was, a pretty, it was a pretty good Notre Dame team. Tyler um, Eifert. Eiferted. Uh, so, <laughs> a classic fantasy football name. Um, so, and then you get the rain delay, right? You get the, It's a 56-minute rain delay. You're thinking, okay, this is when Alabama turns it on, and they just never really turned it on. Uh, I think it was three nothing going into the rain delay, and then I think they kicked the field goal to make it three three at halftime. And now you're competing; you get the ball back and to start the second half. And then you're down ten three. It was a busted. It was a busted coverage by Logan Berryhill uh, in the third quarter that led to Alabama's touchdown. Um, but I mean, they played well. They they defense definitely played well enough to win. Offensively, you're never going to see that kind of defense again this season. So no, it's yeah, it's, it's you'll, you'll be much better uh, just relatively the rest of the season compared to what you're playing. That game was, and I, I said this after the game. I said it to you. I think I may have even said it in the post game. Like that's the ultimate nightmare as a coach, where right the other team just decides. We're just gonna lock you up, and like you're not gonna be able to do anything. And 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 really going back and watching it, it wasn't as much man, but it was a lot of I'm playing right, I'm playing on top of you, and as soon as you break, we're coming downhill. And because I don't care if you double move, we're gonna be able to run with you for the most part. So it was really difficult. They basically played with how they were playing their safeties. It was basically a nine man box, so there wasn't a ton there. That's why when they did go like full man and play the two man and things like that, Byron was able to get out and and get loose because everybody was locked up like in the hip pocket. So uh, there was a lot of room to run because there was (laughs) everybody was basically bunched together. So um, yeah, it was. You're not like you said. You're not going to see that again the rest of the year. So hopefully, uh, the offense will look a lot better the rest of the year because. There's some issues through three games that have been kind of similar in each game, uh, just to an extreme in this past one. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you can get them fixed going forward, as your competition kind of levels out a little bit, you feel like you could be pretty good still. Yeah, uh, I think the you know we we kind of preface this Alabama game as like don't take anything away from this game. I think the thing that we should take away is that the defense is a hell of a lot better than it has been over the last five seasons and that's that can carry over because you're not again just like the offense is never going to see these guys that, that kind of talent on defense again frankly USF's offense you know the the defense is not going to see that you know four or five star guys that Alabama has on the offensive side of the ball especially across the offensive line and they were still able to create havoc which is a great sign going forward yeah, I think they're – I don't think, like – I still don't think the USF defense – I think some people will see this game and be like, USF defense is a top unit. They still – Alabama still helped them out a little bit with some mistakes. But, like, for the most part, they played the run really well, which was shocking. Until Alabama basically said, we're going to put a bunch of dudes in the box and just not give you any room to let you let your movement mess us up. We're just going to go straight downhill. Right. And they had some success. Uh, but for the most part, man, you kept them off balance. You they couldn't run the ball. They they had trouble throwing it. You made it 
even when uh, even though I think Alabama had some times where they didn't execute, they got what they wanted, it didn't work. You made it pretty hard on them for the most of the game and, and all the blitz packages and and we heard it uh, in the press conference. We heard the GOAT say it. He asked Nick Saban about the pressure packages, and Nick Saban said that uh, Todd Orlando has some of the most effective and wide-ranging pressure packages uh, in the country. So we got to see that on full display. Yeah, and it just needs to carry over uh, this week. We do a full preview in the Ponderosa with Carter Spires of At The Roost, uh, who covers Rice uh, football and athletics, and he's a two-time Jeopardy champion. So you should subscribe to the Patreon very to listen guy. to that interview. Very smart guy. Very great interview. Um, so we'll kind of pick and choose a little bit. But, you know, JT Daniels has not been blitzed to the extent that USF even blitzed Alabama last week. So that's going to be the big difference maker, uh, I think, for USF going forward this week. Um, you know, the line's, you know, rice minus two. Can I ask um, you, before we get spots. too far into this game, can I ask you a question? Because you are you have a lot more historical knowledge of the program than I do. When's the last time you got the stadium that packed, got that many people to a game that excited, and you didn't just totally crap the bed? Because since I've been covering the team, almost every time the stadium gets like that, the, the team plays terrible, and you never see those people again. It seems like you've got some people on the hook now. We've even seen it in the Discord. People are saying, yeah, you know, I would like to go to, a, you know, like their wives, I'd like to go to a game again. That was a lot of fun. They played really well. When's the last time they were able to capitalize on having a crowd like that? So let's let's go back. Because uh, I think that's, no that's super important in terms of like building, like the students that came out. Maybe you'll get a big turnout of students again this week because they came out, they cheered like crazy, and you played Alabama until the final drive. You were within a score. Like you didn't win, but. First of all, you had a loaded recruiting weekend with a ton of guys there. They all got to see that. And then you got people in the stands, and you didn't totally piss it all away. So when's the last time did that happen? Honestly, Seth, I I cannot recall. Maybe Temple 2015. I know that statement was was like a weekday game. They are kind of turning the corner. Um I can't, I can't think of one that, you know, the most recent ones, you know, uh, Wisconsin 2019. That was an absolute drubbing. The pack games I've been to Florida was not close, got closer in the second half, but was not a close game. Wisconsin Florida State 2012 drubbing. was not close. And, and uh, none of the, really none of the conference games, even the ones that have been well attended have touched what we saw last Saturday. Yeah. And so, I think that's, that's probably the thing I, I'm most excited about is I, I, they lost. I felt probably the most optimistic I felt about the program in six years, right? Like it, it, it felt like they could compete. And I think that's, um, you know, Gullis just kind of talked about, you know, you learn how to win winners win yeah. that mantra. Um, I, think this could be a pretty good turning point but it all comes down to this week you can yeah. again i mean it, it's we can just have it as a soundboard at this point <laughs> just yeah. do it two weeks in a row do it two weeks in a row bro don't crap the bed after a great performance 
And I think Colin said it really well. After, I think he said maybe after the first quarter, like this feels like a real college football game. Like the atmosphere, it's competitive. It's like this feels like a high level college football game. He said something to that effect. Right. And I mean, like you played Alabama tight. You had Alabama on your home field. You played them very tight. You didn't win, but you know we're not players, so we don't really have to worry about the winners win. You know, you can try to extrapolate things for the culture and the stuff around the program. And I think it's important that you went out there and played really well. But like you said, even more important, I think, is that you can capitalize on it this week. Because if you come out and lay an egg this week, it does all that goes down the toilet. And USF historically has not been great at capitalizing <laughs> on good opportunities. So uh, this would be a great time to buck that trend um, ferociously, some would say. Uh, beat, beat right. You're, you're not favored in this game. You're not. I mean, Vegas doesn't think you're, you're supposed to win this game. You know, a lot by most accounts, you're not supposed to win this game. So finally, for the first time in a very long time, win a game you're not supposed to win. And you're not gonna. You're not supposed to win a lot of games this year, but it starts with one. It has to. Can it be this one? Why not? I think Rice is. A, I think they're definitely better than we thought heading into the year. But uh, Seth, you know, you're not as convinced about that Houston game. I think Houston's kind of proved to you they're kind of frauds. Yeah, there are Houston's. So <laughs> if you uh, if you listen to all the shows, you've heard Nick Simon picked. Sam Houston State to cover against Houston. What would you guess that spread is? It's just Sam Houston State against Houston. What do you think that spread would be? 17 and a half. 12 and a half. Wow. Sam Houston, who scored, I don't know if they've, I don't know how, I think they might have scored under 12 and a half points this season. So this is where, like, this is where uh, Houston football is at right now. Right. Yeah, Sam, Sam Houston State has scored three points in their two games they've played. They are a 12.5-point underdog to Houston. That Houston team that, is not very good. So no. Rice got up 28-0. Houston came all the way back, went to overtime. Rice ended up pulling out in overtime. But you know, I think they got a short field with a turnover. Uh, Rice did. It's, it was a rivalry game, I guess, but you know, I, I'd like to. I'm not saying that USS is going to come in and wax Rice. I'm just, you know, three weeks ago, would Rice have been a two and a half point favorite over USF? I don't know. So I think they're tough. I think JT Daniels, if they give, if he has a lot of time, they might be able to find some guys. But right. you're hoping being the home team, having making them travel. This is their first game outside the state of Texas on the year. I'm pretty sure. So, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Texas. So first yeah. real road game. You know, maybe all those things work in your favor if 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 you can put two good performances, especially defensively, together, two weeks in a row. So, yeah, I'm not. I don't think. I don't think either of these teams are much better than their season than expectations were, and I think they're pretty even. So USF being the home team, rest having to travel, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully that gives you the advantage. You, you would think so, um, and that's that's what we got to hope going into to this game. Um, real quick, Daquan Evans 
AAC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, eight tackles, four tackles for loss, three sacks. Uh, pretty acrobatic pass breakup as well on a guy that was open until he wasn't. Um, so that was uh, really good by him. Uh, he was also the Beneric uh, Defensive Player of the Week. National um, Award. That's a national award. Um, first time, what, since 2017, a defensive player is one, has been honored by the conference. And then uh, the first time since 2018, uh, I believe, uh, that any USL player has been honored as a player of the week. It's been a very long time coming. Um, it's those little, you know, blocks that are kind of stacking up for what's next. Um, can can this week be the, the one of the bigger blocks? It, it definitely shaping up to be a distinct possibility. I yeah, I think this week becomes super. Like you said, not just in terms of just this game, but like what comes next. So I'm gonna throw it up here just because I have it pulled up, and it's always fun to look at the schedule. So right here. Where is Rice in terms of difficulty on your next five games? Rice at Navy at UAB versus FAU versus or at UConn. The last two quarterbacks are both out for the season. Where do you think the Rice game is now in terms of difficulty? Middle. Yeah, I I, I think it's probably two, maybe. What do you think is the most difficult? Memphis. Uh, even stop before Memphis. Just the Connecticut. If you just go Connecticut to Rice, that that frame there. So five games. Rice is probably one of your tougher ones. So if you can come out with a win, then you go at Navy, at UAB, who hasn't been lighting the world on fire, versus right. homecoming with FAU, whose quarterback towards ACM was out. At UConn, who's been really bad since their quarterback got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I think that's why the game is important because you start to build a little momentum going into the conference slate, and you have your your most winnable games are loaded at the front. I think your back half is pretty tough uh, yeah. outside of Charlotte, but if you can kind of win this one and get some momentum going, which is something I feel it just feels like deja vu, right? But it certainly seems like there's an opportunity here to do something uh, better than expected, but it really kind of hinges on this week. Yeah. Uh, I think leaving the month one and four or even two and three is probably going to be a letdown, uh, especially coming off of last week. Um, You got to put it together. There's Byron Brown needs to be better. The offensive line needs to be better. We don't know the status of R.J. Perry, who slotted in at right guard and then got hurt. Uh, Cole Best came in after him. So we're really on our third right guard of the season, second right tackle. Um, so we've got to figure out what's next. Uh, and no, I don't think we've got word on Zane Heron either. Who... No, uh, upper body is what we were told. Yeah, so, you know, that – and. I think the another we kind of maybe have to address receiver position a little bit. It's been somewhat underwhelming this year and goalish. That was kind of the one position he spoke about uh, at length in his press conference. 
You know, I, I'm. I think there. We talked about Kelly Joyner. I'm not sure if we talked about it here or the Ponderosa because we're kind of, they're kind of melt, melting together. But um, the lack of health at receiver—that's something you mentioned at the very beginning of the season. I think you may have even asked about it. Uh, you asked Golish about it before the season, and he said, "We're as healthy as we've been coming into the first game." And you still had some guys missing, and now you've had like Yusuf Terry play a game and then not play the next. He, he missed Western, played Fam. Miss this one. Seth Jones is still out from uh, camp injury. Seems like Michael Brown Stevens is getting up to speed now, uh, but he hasn't been able to play. He played his most snaps of the year last week. Um, but all that lack, then then you have like a Jaquan Smith who seems to be hurt, seems to have been hurt in street clothes on the sideline. He, he was suited up against Alabama. Was he suited up against Alabama? The previous yeah. week he was in street clothes. So Correct. Um, you know, do you think once they get healthy, we see a turn and, and maybe the competition gets a little easier as well? Or is this something that you think might be a struggle the whole season? I mean, Golish said early in camp, you know, this, this group's going to be really, really good or really, really average. Uh, a quarter of the way through the, <laughs> the season, they are really, really average. And that's probably being super polite. Yeah. Uh, I think a couple guys are playing out of position. I think Naeem Simmons is probably a better slot receiver, but with all the injuries to the outside guys, you've got to figure out who can play. And he's been um, clearly one of the better options. You know, Sean Atkins is super reliable, super reliable, but he doesn't have the wiggle that you need uh, for a slot in this offense. So um, that's going to be an issue. And, they just got to figure out a better way to get Kelly Joyner the ball if it's in the slot or if at running back, what ha- whatever it is. I really love the, 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 mo- the motion in the backfield and hand it to him and they're in the counter. That was super creative. And uh, we'll be going over that tomorrow on the film room. You'll see that uh, Thursday on the film room. Um, so, so it may be today by the time you're hearing this, but just, uh, so yeah, keep doing that. More, th- yeah, I think he got 18 snaps total. He's a guy that in the past has had the ball in his hand has been really productive. Right. Uh, last year kind of was the kind of outlier because he's still kind of recovering from his injury. But he's been pretty productive when he got the ball in his hands in, in the past, and he provides an element I think you don't really have right now in terms of a little bit of wiggle, a little bit of uh, being really good in space. Uh, you've got more kind of straight line speed. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels It feels a little... We're starting to feel a little 2019-ish. Yeah. Uh, that is a fair assessment. There's more talent, but the offense is still just not there yet. Yeah. So it, it might take some time, but I think this is a week that maybe you can get your run game going again. Hopefully this Rice team has not been great against the run. If you get that juiced up, that'll make everything a little bit easier too. Alabama was just a uniquely talented team that could kind of do a lot of different things that right. other people are going to be able to do against. Yep, I agree. Uh, I think you'll be able to win a couple more one-on-one matchups than you do. I certainly yeah. hope so. That's what Carter said. Yeah, um, they'll, I think they'll win more this week. I was like, I, I hope so, because they won zero last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one would be lovely. Yeah, uh, and it kind of bore out in the passing numbers, you know. Byron was 50% completion, under 100 yards, and an interception. I thought, uh, and we put it out in our bulls by the number, 
his his he completed a bunch of balls when he wasn't pressured for sixty yards. It was it was it was a crazy amount. Um, his a dot I think when he was blitzed was like three yards. So his average depth of target when they blitzed was like three yards. You know, a great average depth of target is hitting double digits. That's where you, that's where you really get pushing the ball down the field and you're mixing in some short passes with it, but mostly kind of. So you're at three yards. That's not great. So right. Um, I think the plan was to try to get the ball to his hands as fast as possible to combat the rush a little bit. Right. Um, so hopefully, uh, you can handle it a little bit better up front and you can kind of get some of these. Cause there's my biggest concern. And it's also like, it's interesting watching going, having to watch Florida and Tennessee as well and seeing the offense in a different, a different light after watching the problems are pretty similar. There's not a ton quick there's not a ton in the quick game right there's they love double slant and it works but like usf ran a ton of double slant against alabama then i go watch tennessee they get in the same situation they're running double slant so i'm like is this all we got is double slant uh they did some other variations off of it and they do more than that but um answers for blitz is my biggest kind of quick throws and answers for blitz is my biggest concern because there's a lot of times where or there's a few times where it's third and six the camera's kind of set up a couple yards past the first down marker. And as the ball snap, everyone just runs out of the camera and you're like, well, Byron's getting sacked. So <laughs> <laughs> where's the guy in front? You know, we might have to, we might have to leave somebody a little bit shorter here. Um, so that's my, that's been my biggest concern, the watching this, but I think it's something they, when you look at the Tennessee numbers from last year with hooker, it seems like that's not, that's kind of a, a bug right now, both because of the quarterbacks, maybe, and a bunch of new receivers. That's Tennessee's breaking in a bunch of new receivers too. So, right. So I I think it's this is an offense that takes some time for both groups to get comfortable. So we're gonna have to hopefully, hopefully your running game can kind of carry you through those, and and then once they that gets going, you become really dangerous. We can only hope. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. Oh boy. Um. Before we get out of here, let's get you know, a little prediction. Um, typing the line is uh, Rice by two. Two and a half, I think. I just looked two, at it. Let me, let me get you the over-under, too. Uh, let's see here. Two and a half. You go ahead. I'll get it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go. Um, I think USF just wins outright. Why not? I'm with you. This is this is your one week of optimism. Don't you got don't it? Don't burn it. Over under fifty eight. So two and a half and fifty eight. So let's take a, you know let's flip it on script. Let's go USF thirty one. Rice twenty eight. USF by three. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Sounds good, right? Steeg and the Blog Bowl Roundtable. If you're if you're not a watcher of that, his off the board pick was USF to cover two and a half, and he's been on fire. So that bodes well. Shockingly, he's on fire. So he's yeah, serious Steeg. Serious Steeg is killing the bookies. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. The hard rock. That's why the, there's a hard rock to lay because of Steeg's prowess. They're not sure if they want to open it up to a guy like him. Right. They're gonna open it up while he's out of town just to be safe. Just yeah, just to just to get some money in before he comes back. Exactly. They got to pad it. That's right. Man. <laughs> well, uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. 
We'll have the film room uh, probably up by the time you listen to it or pretty close uh, to that. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, join the Patreon, join the Discord. Um, we had a bunch of people join during the rain delay. Keep doing that. Um, join the Discord. Tell your friends. Uh, join the Patreon. I, it's it's the best thing cooking right now. You're not getting anything. You're not getting better coverage anywhere else. I'll put a stamp on that. Yeah, we've got. So you get if you are a ten. Let's say you're a ten dollar patron. You're getting three podcasts a week. You're getting uh, snap count. You're getting all the snap count numbers and then all the kind of the relevant stat numbers broken down for you every week. You're getting a film room every week, uh, and then free. We're giving everybody post game. We got post game shows. Uh, the future we may do pregame shows and watch alongs. We've got the Fletch report covering all the Olympic sports um, and the insider discord, which is like all the other message boards that are out there for USF, but half the cost. So if you just want to be on the message boards and get the same information, but a little bit quicker for half the money, join the disc, join the Patreon and, and get into Ponderosa discord. Um, we've had, uh, you know, things like the starting quarterback before the season recruiting list for each home game so far um uh stuff from nathan nathan sees on the field at games before it goes public all kinds of things like that uh before anybody else has them and a lot of these things nobody else has so join the join the ponderosa for five bucks a month you can get access to that insider discord section which is well worth the investment agreed with that thanks for tuning in go bulls go bulls